Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, December 2nd, 2022, and in this week, passengers are on guard, self-driving trucks expand, and Uber is not downsizing. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And of course, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by the co-founder and lead attorney, Bryant Greening. Bryant, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Jared. Excited to be on again today. Yeah, got a little hiatus, and we're uh, we're going to jump right into it this week. So let's hit it off with Monday. Uh, interesting story. A lot, a lot of trucking in news recently. This is they're calling it the Uberization of trucking, and they're saying it's speeding up. The American Journal of Transportation reported. They said, quote, the haves of technology are going to grow and the have-nots of the technology will be consumed. Um, they mentioned that Silicon Valley has entered a fray of the trucking companies a few years ago and has digitized what had typically been uh, transactions done with phone calls and paper. Now, Uber Freight and Convoy have gobbled up a lot of the market share, um, but are still struggling to make a profit. Uh, Convoy raised $260 million uh, last April, but they're definitely saying, according to this article, that the tide is turning and, and trucking is becoming automated. Brian, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's obviously not surprising. We've been hearing about the Uberization of pretty much every market that's out there. Um, once people saw how successful Uber uh, was becoming, we, we saw the Uber of trucking, the Uber of mowing lawns, the Uber of you name it. Um, everybody wants their hand in automation and connecting customers uh, and uh, and clients and businesses and, and that's what we're seeing here. You know, I got a I, I got a question as far as like just the regarding accidents and injuries with with even with the Uberization of the trucking companies, a lot of the drivers do have typically better protections against accidents, correct? Or would well, that change? Would that go be more independent contract if they go this way? Yeah, so a lot of truckers are independent contractors, and, and that's the way that the businesses have been run for a lot of times um, and for. You know, for the trucking industry in general, um, I am assuming that Uber is buying insurance for these types of claims. However, it doesn't always apply. Um, when we talk about brokers, there are a lot of ways for them to get out of liability because the argument is they're just connecting a load that you know needs to be transported from one place to another. They don't really have a hand in selling the, the product or delivering the product. It's more just that connection. Um, certainly there are smart attorneys out there, um, myself included, who have <laughs> figured out ways to um, hold the brokers responsible. So, you know, this trucking, uh, the trucking industry is complex. And when there are accidents, there needs to be a thorough dissection of, you know, the, the insurance policies and figure out who's responsible for what. And, and I do think that Uber is going to find itself in court uh, from time to time based on these connections that it's making. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. I was I was certainly curious about that. Let's head on to Tuesday. Uber and Lyft, as we know, are transforming cities. Business Wire reported, quote, the researchers found that CNCs have increased economic growth, employment, and wages for intermittent jobs in the U.S. However, Uber and Lyft affect different kinds of cities differently, and that's really important to understand, explains uh, one of the researchers. Um, they, they also explained that the cost that Uber and Lyft impose on cities is not clear-cut either. The research reveals that Uber and Lyft can clean the air but also clog the streets. Uh, taking an Uber instead of a personal vehicle can reduce air pollution, but the extra driving to and from 
passengers increases costs for congestion, crash risk, and climate change by about 45%, uh, 45 cents, sorry. Um, Brian, we've, we've seen some of these articles before. This is an interesting one where it seems to kind of weigh both sides pretty, pretty um, straightforward. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Uh, when we see these articles, a lot of times they're pushed by one side or the other. You know, when Uber or the rideshare industry funds the research, it seems to make uh, you know rideshare look really good. Um, when there is an, a, you know, an opponent of uh, the rideshare industry, it makes the rideshare companies look really bad. This one, like you said, is kind of cutting down the middle. Uh, and we've seen it in Chicago. We've seen the streets get more crowded uh, and congested since rideshare came uh, forward. Um, however, we've also seen the city uh, blossom in a lot of ways because it has provided transportation to people who otherwise didn't have access to it. Um, rides have been cheap. Uh, allowing more people to come into the city. Um, you know, the, when we talk about rideshare, it, it does go uh, on both both sides. Um, we see the benefits, we see the detriments, and I think this article does a nice job of explaining it. I think what really interests me about the article is, and I think this might be the first time I saw this, um, you know, they're, they're saying in this research, that Uber and Lyft definitely affect cities, but it does it differently. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of times, like you said, we're, it's pushing one or the other side. Hey, it's destroying traffic or, hey, it's so great for the environment, depending if it's an Uber or Lyft, you know, sponsored article. But that, I think that also just boils down to into how these companies need to realize and adapt to different situations for drivers, where one state or city might want drivers to be more like employees, where another one says, well, no, I want to be more like independent contractors, given the fact of, of how the, they're handling each city. It's totally different. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I agree. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And a lot of times, Uber and Lyft come into cities and say, this is how we've always done it. This is the way we're going to do it again. And it doesn't work that way. Tulsa, Oklahoma is very, very different than Chicago, Illinois. And you, know, you could say that about every city in the country. So we would like to see cities um, force the companies to adapt to them rather than the other way around. We're going to head off to Wednesday. Um, some unfortunate news, and Uber customers are concerned about the lack of driver details after um, passengers were abducted. Now, CBS News did a story on this, and they said, quote, with no description of the suspect or vehicle lookout information available to the public, Uber customers, like uh, this person Murphy, say they're constantly on guard. So the, the, so the video actually goes into um, a lot of details about, um, I, I believe it, the, this – they, there's a drive that was abducting passengers. It's kind of pretty crazy. Um, and Brian, we've talked about this before, where Uber does this blanket where they don't release information. For, they're saying, hey, it's personal, private information. We can't release it. I, I don't know how they can do that in the situation where people are getting abducted. Yeah, it's really sketchy. And it, what it seems to me, based on, on this video, is that people are ordering the Ubers and then they're disappearing. So they're not sure whether it's actually an Uber driver or it's some person impersonating an Uber driver and targeting people who are waiting on the side of the roads for their car. Um, it, it's pretty unclear. And, and we wish that the rideshare companies would provide this information to the public so that it, it could help the public understand what the safety risks were. If there's a driver who is being connected to passengers and those passengers are uh, going missing, that's a huge problem, and there's a you know obviously a public safety uh, element to that where the companies have a responsibility to 
inform the public as to what's going on, what kind of car to look out for, what, you know, what the driver looks like. And, and, you know, obviously to deactivate that individual or those individuals to prevent them from connecting with other passengers. On the other side, if it's totally random, if the person, you know, the passenger requested a rider, or I'm sorry, if the passenger requested a car and then ends up disappearing um, at no hand of that driver, well, then there's some criminal out there who's impersonating drivers and the public needs to know that as well. Um, so I, I really wish that both the police and the rideshare companies would step up and, and provide necessary information to keep the public safe. Right. And yeah, it, as always, it's, you know, they hide too much and it, it becomes a security issue. And, a safety yeah, and, issue. and I will say that um, there are steps that riders can take to protect themselves. So if before you get into any car, make sure that you're checking the license plate to, to match on the app. Make sure you're getting into the right vehicle. Before you get into the car, ask the driver, who are you here to pick up and, and make them say your name so that, you know, you've, you know, you're connecting with the right driver. Um, so, you know, it's scary out there and you need to take steps to protect yourself and use the information that's available on the apps to protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Let's head into Thursday here. Uh, Uber expands their self-driving trucks in Texas. Now, Reuter reported, quote, the program will be expanded to the recently launched 600-mile commercial lane between Fort Worth and El Paso in Texas to support uh, customers of logistics uh, business Uber Freight as it ships goods this holiday season. Um, uh, you know, autonomous goods hauling has been seen as the future of logistics as it could increase truck utilization and boost transportation frequency between terminals. One thing they point out is human truck drivers are not allowed to drive more than 11 hours per day in the United States, which would mean, well, this would you know, be able to exceed that. Um, I think it's going to be interesting, Brian. You know, we've seen a lot of these a lot of the personal cars we've been seeing about the you know, autonomy, and we're not there yet, but it looks like they're really pushing, at least for the self-driving trucks, to, to let's just get this on the road. Yeah, I am very wary of self-driving trucks. You know, I, I'm scared enough about self-driving cars on the roads. We've seen the accidents uh, that have taken place with them. We've seen a death in Arizona um, as a result of that. And I just don't see any reason to believe that the technology is any better on a tractor trailer, um, but the vehicle itself is much more dangerous given its size. Um, so this is this is scary business, and, and I just wish that we had more uh, information on the technology and that the technology itself was further along before we started pushing them out onto the streets. Yeah, I mean, this is they're saying that they're doing the 600-mile commercial lane. I mean, that's some serious mileage that they're having these trucks do. So it's, it, it, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's crazy. And, and it, there's a lot more room for, for danger when you're on the highway, traveling fast speed, you've got cars, you know, weaving in and out of, of lanes of traffic at 60, 70, 80 miles per hour. And we still don't know that this technology is good enough to prevent the collisions. And when you're talking about that weight of a vehicle at that speed, we're not talking about sprains and strains, we're talking about death. And in that case, would Uber be responsible or would the tech? I guess it would depend on the accident, correct? Yeah, it depends on the facts of the accident. But I can promise you that if Uber's technology, uh, if there was reason to believe that Uber, Uber's technology was to blame or, or had some blame in a collision, they're going to find themselves as defendant in the lawsuit. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, then the end of week, actually, speaking of Uber. Uh, Uber, you know, not sweating the inflation, potential recession. They say they see no sign of weakness, and they're fine. Yahoo Finance reported, quote, Uber Technologies did not look to downsize employee strength, even though competitors slashed staff to deal with an uncertain economic outlook, the CEO said. Um, he was optimistic about the supply of drivers on the platform, uh, despite a pro, uh, protracted shortage that had raised fares and wait times, and said that, you know, periods of economic uncertainty typically spur people to seek out side hustles, such as ride hailing or food delivery. So apparently one person in this, in this economy right now is happy, and it's the CEO of Uber. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very nice to see that uh, rideshare seems to be back. We were down for a while in the, uh, um, in the uh, pandemic, and, and now we were concerned about what was going to happen with the recession. But uh, it seems like it, it's bounced back, which is good for everybody. You know, is it I, I'm assuming that they're, you know, that they're I know that they did previously did slash some uh, employees. That was a big deal a little while ago. Is it because and I'm assuming it is like Lyft had cut a lot of staff and even I think drivers, it was it was a big deal. Is it because they have their hands in everything that the delivery and these, you know, they call themselves a tech company? Is that why they're not feeling the fallout as much as the other transportation companies? I, I think it helps a lot. The fact that Uber diversified so much to be uh, in food delivery, to be in trucking, to, you know, they, they made themselves into a company that really was recession proof. When one went down, another industry went up. We saw that in the pandemic when, when rideshare just died for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, everybody was getting their food delivered to their house because they didn't want a grocery shop. So uh, I, I do think that that uh, comes into play where companies like Lyft and, and others just focused on rideshare, and it's been a tough few years for them. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, maybe they can bounce back. You know, I'm, I'm still uh, skeptical about the whole business model, but hey, if it's keeping people employed and happy, that's always a good thing. Uh, Brian, I'm going to give you the last word here before we sign off, um, so take it away. Uh, you know, I just want to thank everybody again for, for listening and, uh, you know, remind everyone that Legal Rideshare is here to help. Uh, if you find yourself in an accident or with an injury on the job, um, we've helped thousands of drivers recover uh, their lost wages, uh, costs of medical treatment, pain and suffering, uh, things of that nature. Um, it is never, uh, it never costs you anything to talk to us. So please do not hesitate to, to reach out for a free consultation. Um, we can always help make sure that you protect yourself. And um, if we represent you, uh, we're going to put money in your pocket. Thank you, Brian, as always. And as I like to end the show, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next week.